Merry Christmas. Great to see you tonight. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars, guys. We love you and Merry Christmas. I don't know about you, but I just love this time of year. And one of my favorite parts of Christmas probably shouldn't be. But one of my favorite parts is all the Christmas candy. How many of you guys like Christmas candy? Anyone in here? Now, I like candy already, but Christmas is just another excuse to eat all I want. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I love candy. Did you know the average American eats 24 pounds of candy a year? How many of you guys have that on you right now? Some of you, yes. You're like, I think I'm carrying that with me right now. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be average. I want to be above average. You know what I'm saying? So I love candy. I mean, it's just so much fun. I thought, you know, since we're talking on candy, I thought, I wonder if it'd be interesting. I wonder if, I wonder if it's possible for me to tell the Christmas story with candy. Let's just see if we can do that. Does that sound cool? So here we go. Here's a Christmas story with candy. First of all, you got the three musketeers or the three wise men. They followed the star burst. It led them to the atomic fireball, Herod, which Herod asked his religious leader, the Snickers, about the birth of Jesus. Meantime, the angels were singing Almond Joy, and the shepherds were jawbreakers. And so the jolly ranchers ran to the powerhouse, the manger, where they found Eminem, Mother Mary, <laughs> and they found Papa Rocks, Joseph, holding the candy cane himself, Jesus, and if tonight you connect all the dots on what we're talking about, then you'll have a payday from now and for all eternity. <laughs> Boom. You know, when you think about candy, though, the ultimate Christmas candy clearly is what? The candy cane. I mean, that, there's no greater symbol when it comes to candy for Christmas than the candy cane. Go ahead and pull out your candy cane right now. You should have had a baggie that you were given on the way in at all of our campuses. Pull out your candy cane. Some of you right now are like, oh, I'm so supposed to have that. I didn't know. Yeah, hopefully you haven't eaten it yet. All right. Pull out your candy cane. Would you do that real quick? Didn't we just, just pull that right now? This is great. Now, my friend Scott Humple, I'm going to embarrass him. He's on the front row. Scott, I'm sorry, man. This is too good. Would you just stand with your kids real quick? This is incredible. I want to show all the campuses what you are so brave to wear. That's incredible right there. I mean, that. thank you, Scott. You have to be really comfortable in your manhood. And you clearly are a man, my friend. You are. I love that. Very incredible. So, But take out your candy cane if you would. As you got your candy cane in your hand, keep it wrapped. We're, gonna, we, we're doing something with this, okay? But just hold on to that for a second. You notice the candy cane. We're going to talk about it because I want to I give you six simple principles and simple points off of the symbolism of the candy cane that represents Christmas. So the first thing I want to do, let me, let me grab my candy cane. So I want to get something a little bigger than yours so you can see it good. So the first thing that you'll notice about the candy cane I've got is if you turn your candy cane over, would you do that real quick? Just go ahead and turn it over. If you turn your candy cane over, am I doing this the right way? It, sh it's, it comes in the shape of a J, right? Is that the right for you guys? Am I? So because earlier I had like a B and it was like JB and my daughter's like, it's Justin Bieber. I was like, no, it's not. It's Jesus, okay? It's Jesus. But you may notice the first thing, if you got your notes, you can write this down if you want. The number one thing you need to write down is when held upside down, the candy cane forms a J, which clearly stands for Jesus. In fact, look at the scripture on this. It says in Matthew 1, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. 
because he will save his people from their sins. Now, my J is a little bigger than yours, I admit, right? I mean, this is pretty big. But take your, your, your upside-down candy cane and put it real close to your eyeball and notice how you can get your J as big as mine, right? Just go ahead and put it real close to your eyeball and you're like, wow, it seems really big now when you get that close, right? See, this J is pretty big, but if I were to run it way back here, suddenly it gets real small like the one you've got. So really, the J gets bigger the closer you get to it. How close are you to the J? Because God wants us to learn to draw close to Jesus. He has something for you tonight. In fact, I believe he's drawing you even as we speak tonight. Now, the other thing about the, the, the J, the, the candy cane, if you turn it back over, you go turn it over right now, you'll notice that it makes a what? It makes a shepherd's staff, right? And so the second thing, if you want to write this down, number two, the candy cane takes the shape of a shepherd's staff because Jesus is the great shepherd who gave his life for his sheep. Let me show you some scripture on this. Psalms 23, 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus said this, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, you know, I know you want to eat this, but you will in a minute. Okay, you can, you can have yours in a minute, but not quite yet. Because I don't know about you, but I have a sweet tooth. But I'm trying to drop some sweet truth on you right now. Because this can change your life if you understand who Jesus really, really is. One of the things that he says, he says, I'm the great shepherd. You know, shepherds to this day can be found outside of Israel watching sheep. And so shepherds watch sheep, and, and so they have this staff. And, and, and the reason why they have it is because sheep, I'm just going to be honest with you, sheep can be kind of dumb. Okay, now that's a little offensive when you realize that the Lord calls us sheep, okay, but what he's saying is, is that we can be easily influenced to go in the wrong direction. This is why the Lord, a good shepherd, sometimes when we start heading in the wrong direction, we get close to the cliff and the good shepherd reaches down and says, no, 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 whoa, 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 back it up, back it up. And he protects us. You ever been going in the direction you thought was what the Lord had and it seems like nothing was working? It was almost as if there was something holding you back. God was saying, that's not it. I got something different for you. But then when you start going the direction God wants you to, all of a sudden everything starts to work out. It's like someone's prodding you along and everything seems to go faster and easier than before. That's the great shepherd leading you, guiding you into his will, into the plan that he has for your life. He's that way with you. Oh, pastor, come on. This is cheesy. This is just, I mean, you're using an illustration of a candy cane. I'm just trying to teach like Jesus. Jesus would take a coin he would grab a flower and say, consider the lily. He would teach from a boat. He'd talk about fishing and talk about the parallels of being fishers of men. Jesus taught from everyday things. And so that's why I thought, let's use an everyday symbol of Christmas to teach what the meaning of Christmas really is all about. It's about the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You know, Jesus actually talked about uh, the lost sheep. He actually said in, in one of his parables, one of his stories that he shared, he said, you know what? A good shepherd will leave the 99 to go after the one. Maybe tonight God is leaving the 99 going after you. He's saying, I love you and I want to hook you in. Maybe someone dragged you to church tonight. Maybe you're like, Pastor, I got drugged here. Maybe you got drugged here. I'm not sure which one it was. <laughs> but maybe you got drugged in the door. You didn't really want to come, but you know, my mom wanted me here. My sister, my brother-in-law, my, you know, so-and-so, they wanted me to come. My friend just dragged me here. I didn't want to come, but you know, and maybe you got drugged here, but I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit now will hook you into staying that you realize that God has something better for you and that, and that he will, will hook you because God wants to speak to you about his son who he gave for you and for me. And so Jesus is our great shepherd. He leads and he guides us. And so the shepherd's staff is, is there. That's why this is in this shape 
That's why it looks like this. Now, let me show you another thing about the candy cane. See, this is the candy cane we think about. It looks like this. But the original candy cane back in 1670 in Cologne, Germany, looked like this. It was actually a pure white sugar stick, a confectionery stick. In 1670, the choir master at Cologne Cathedral was having a nativity scene celebrating the birth of Christ. And they realized they were going to have all the kids in the room. So he thought, how can I keep the kids quiet? So he got an idea and went to the local candy maker in town and said, would you make some kind of candy that I can give out to all the kids? And so he's like, yeah, that probably needs to be kind of cheap because I need a lot of it. And he said, no problem. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just make a simple, plain white confectionery stick. You can just give them out to the kids. They'll suck on those and keep them quiet all during the Christmas pageant. That's how the candy cane used to look, just solid white, which actually the symbolism is great. Because when you first come to Jesus, the first thing he does is he power washes you. He gets all the sin off. He makes you white as snow. Look at the scripture on this, by the way. It says, it says in 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, all of us come with stains all over us, things we've done, things we've said, places we've been all over us, and we think, man, there's no way God can love me. There's no way He can forgive me all the stuff I've done. But see, Jesus is not pointing at you like this. He's not pointing at you saying, you sinner, I can't believe. That's not what He's doing. He's pointing at you like this, saying, come here, come here. I love you. I want to forgive you of your sins, give you a fresh start. Maybe you came in here feeling guilty and feeling some shame from places you've been, from things you've done, from people you've been with, but God is saying today, today is a new beginning. When you receive Christ, you are forgiven for all of your sins. Even that one, even that one. You're forgiven from all of your sins and made new. In fact, maybe you're already a Christ follower and you still feel this guilt and shame from things you've done even after you receive Christ. I've got great news for you. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. So today is a new day. You are forgiven and made pure because of Jesus going to the cross for you. You have been made pure. Wow. Praise God. He purifies us from our sins. So back in 1670, this is what the candy cane looked like. Then around the turn of the century, an American said, you know what? We can do better than this. Let's not just have it be plain white. Let's take it and let's stripe it. Now, if you're like me, I'm thinking, if you just want to add some red, why don't you just dip the whole thing in red? It'd be a lot easier. If you're a candy maker, it takes a lot more work to stripe something than it does just to dip it in red. But actually, it's supposed to be striped for a reason. There's a symbol behind the stripes. The red's important, but also the stripes. Let me show you the scripture on this. It says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. This is speaking of Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, the red represents Christ's blood. I don't mean to be graphic, but I want to explain to you what this actually means. By his stripes we were healed. You know, when Jesus died for us, now you, I know you may be thinking, hold on, Pastor, it's Christmas. We're talking about his birth, not his death. But you see, the only reason we talk about his, his birth is because of his death. It's because of what we did at the cross. So let me just back up a moment and explain something about his death. When Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, before he went to the cross, he was beaten, he was tortured. The Romans specialized in torture. These guys were good at what they did. And business, unfortunately, was booming. And so they knew how to torture Jesus. They disrobed him. They tied him to a stump. And when they chained him to the stump, 
without his clothes on, he had a bare back, which means it was exposed. And they used what's called a cat of nine tails. If you Google this or Google image it, you'll see what I'm talking about. It was a long rope. At the end of this rope, they had another nine small ropes of equal length attached to it. And at the end of each of the nine little leather straps, there was a, either a flint rock that was sharpened or a tiger's tooth on each end. And the person that was a torturer would take this with someone's open bare back and they would whip them with it to where when the stones hit their back, they would whip it back at just the right angle, causing those stones to go into the flesh, grab flesh, and rip flesh right out of the back. And what they really specialized in was taking that whip and throwing it into their back and then pulling it to the side, and it would literally stripe their back with blood. I bet you'll never look at the candy cane the same. By, our, by His stripes, we are made well. By His stripes, we are healed. Jesus took the cross, but He also took the beating and the scourge. He took the torture for you and me as well. Number four, the red stripes represent Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross for our sins. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says something very interesting. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, also known as Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When, she, when the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, what's interesting about the scripture is it says here that the shepherds were nearby, meaning it was nearby the town. But if you know anything about ancient Israel and anything about shepherding, shepherds don't stay nearby. They don't do that because a shepherd, one shepherd can watch several hundred sheep at a time. But I've got some other bad news about sheep. They really stink and they're really loud, which means you do not want hundreds of sheep by your house. Otherwise, your house is going to reek. Talk about bringing the neighborhood down. Talk about the neighborhood values dropping. I mean, everything smells like sheep. It's gross. I have two dogs that are indoor-outdoor dogs, and they smell horrible after just a few days, let alone a sheep that's outside all the time, right? So they smell hideous. Then they're also very loud at night. And so for these shepherds to be nearby means they weren't watching the regular sheep. The regular sheep would have been three to five miles outside of, outside of town. So which sheep were near town? There's only one group of sheep that would have been near the town. Let me just explain how this works. Jerusalem or Bethlehem or any other town would have a wall around it. And along that wall, if you were lucky enough, you could actually build your house along that wall and you got a free wall. You had to build the other three walls, but one free wall was provided to you by the city wall. So that's how that worked. And on around to the back of the city wall, they would build the temple. Where the temple would have one free wall from the city as well. But in that wall, there would be what's called a sheep gate. And through the, through the Judaic sacrificial system, God's wrath had to be satisfied through a death of man. And so since that wasn't what, wanted to ha- what we wanted to happen, God allowed there instead to be a third innocent party could give their life for the sins of man. So they would lift up the sheep, sheep gate 
And then one of the shepherds nearby watching those sheep that were designed for the sacrifice would run one in, they would take it, kill that sheep on the altar, and God's wrath would be satisfied for the sins of man through the innocent blood of that sheep. So when an angel shows up to the shepherds nearby, it's the ones watching the sacrificial sheep. And he says, hey, I got some good news for you. It's good news for everyone. God has sent his son. What they're in, in essence saying is the Lamb of God has come, and so this sacrificial system, you can leave that behind and go meet the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus. And so Jesus was the one who was going to be the ultimate Lamb, dying for all of our sins for all of eternity, hence the red stripes. That's how we get the red stripes. The red stripes represent Jesus' blood for our sins. Now, you may know something else. Go ahead and take your, your, uh, your candy cane there and bust it open. You can bust open the bottom portion and, and uh, go ahead. I'm going to do that too. Mmm, this looks really good. You have no idea what it's like to do eight services with candy this close. I'm like, oh, looks so good. So go ahead and pull this open if you would. And go ahead and take a lick of your candy cane. Tastes good, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. That's good stuff right there. Oh, yeah. So what's it taste like? Peppermint, right? It tastes like peppermint. I mean, uh, hopefully yours tastes like peppermint. That's what mine tastes like. It tastes great, right? And so go ahead and go take a couple more licks. You're improving your breath every lick. Now turn to first section and go, hi. They'll turn back and go, hello. Somewhere there's some girl going, don't get fresh with me. They're not getting fresh. It's the peppermint getting fresh. It's okay. But it makes your breath smell good, doesn't it? That's one of the things about, about a candy cane. It, just, it has a great scent to it. This is actually also one of the symbols in the Christmas story. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. This is about the wise men. It says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, real quick, the gold that they presented was a lot of gold, by the way. It was not just a small little amount that was cheap. No, 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 no. This was that scholars tell us this, this would have been somewhere around the value of, of a, a year's annual income. That's some serious gold. So God provides for Mary and Joseph. Remember, Joseph does not have a job right now because they had to leave his town to, to, you know, because of the census. Okay? So it's a pretty big deal. So the Lord provides for them with that. But a gift of gold would be something you give a king. Frankincense was something you could actually burn. It was like, almost like a candle. And so you would burn incense, frankincense, to a deity, to a God, and so they were saying, we're giving you this, this, this is for the baby that's a king and also God. And then the myrrh was the most interesting and unusual of the gifts, because myrrh was something that you used. It was an oil that smelled of a, a sweet fragrance that was fresh, like peppermint, and it was used to embalm someone when they died, someone who was important. So why would you give a baby a gift designed for death? unless this baby was meant to die for you and for me. It's incredible when you think about it. That's why they gave him that. And so number five, the peppermint represents a sweet fragrance with the spices given to Jesus. By the way, another thing on that, uh, back in the Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament stories, the true stories in the Old Testament are actually all shadows and signs of Christ. For example, Moses was a type of Christ. Because he came to set the people free, right? You guys probably know the story. Maybe you've seen the movie Prince of Egypt, right? Great little movie. Uh, it's all true. 
Moses came to set the people free. He went to Pharaoh and said, hey, I need you to set, set God's people free. Pharaoh said, fat chance, that's not going to happen. These people work for me. And he said, well, this is slavery. It's wrong. You set them free or God's going to send all these plagues. And the Lord did send all these plagues. And the very last one, he said, if you don't do it this time, the Lord's going to take your own child and all the firstborn of the entire of all of Egypt. Because you, Pharaoh, took the firstborn of God's people, and he's going to pay you back for it. Take the firstborn of your people, including your own child. He blew it off, and God told Moses, Moses, I'm going to send my death angels. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have all the people go out and get a hyssop branch. You can Google image hyssop branch. It's a very tight little branch. In fact, back in ancient days, women used it to comb their hair for two reasons. One, it made their hair very beautiful. It was just like a comb that you'd use today, ladies, because the branches were real tight and small. You'd comb your hair with it, but also, if you broke one of the branches and smelled it, it smelled a lot like peppermint. It had a fresh smell. So the Lord said, take the hyssop branch, dip it in the, dead, in, in the blood of the dead lamb that you killed as a sacrifice for your family. Take the blood and wipe it over the doorpost of your home. When the death angel comes, it will pass your home and go on instead to the Egyptians and take the life of their firstborns. And so the hyssop branch, that smell, very similar to peppermint, is also represented in the candy cane. And the reason why is because Jesus gave his, God gave his firstborn, Jesus, for you and for me. So the death angel passes us by, even though we deserve death. Jesus' blood covers us. It's put on our doorposts in our lives. Once we receive Jesus, then what we deserve for our sin is death, but we don't have to have it because Jesus' blood covers us, and the death angel passes on by. Does that make sense? So that's the meaning behind the peppermint, the sweet fragrance of it. Now, you know something else about this thing? It's hard. Can you hear this? You hear that? Please tell me you hear that because it really hurts. Ow, ow. <laughs> These things are tough, man. These things are hard. I mean, your, your peppermint stick there, your, your candy cane, it, it's, it's hard. We don't realize that, but it's hard. This is also something that's important to keep in mind, too. Look at, uh, look at Psalms 31, verse 3. It says, since you are my rock and my fortress for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. You know, Jesus is a rock. Just like the hardness of a candy cane, he is our rock. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Number six is the candy cane is hard because Jesus is our rock. Yet, he was broken for us. It's hard because Jesus is our rock, but yet it was broken for us. You know, if I wanted to share my candy cane with you, it's easy to share, isn't it? You just break it off, right? And then... Just give it away. Dylan, would you like that, man? There you go, man. Hooking you up, brother. There you go. Don't say I didn't give you anything this year. All right? I did. All right? All right. But, you know, you, you can just share it. It's easy just to break it in half. You know, it, it says in the Bible that every time Jesus would have food, he, it says that he would bless it, break it, and give it to the people. When Jesus said, drink this to remember me, he was saying, drink the red wine, which represents his blood, the red stripe, and eat some of the bread, which represents my body, which is the white portion, right? And so eat, eat some of that, too. It's my body. And so what did Jesus do for us? Jesus became broken for you and for me. And he allowed his body to be broken, and he's never the same so that we could receive him and never be the same. He gave his life for all of us. That's what he did for you and for me. You know, the ultimate Christmas verse, actually, <laughs> is, is one we all know. It's John three sixteen. It's probably the most popular verse in all of the Bible, with maybe the exception of the whole I can do all things through Christ thing, right? Maybe the exception of that one, but probably the most popular verse would be John 3, 16. How many of you guys know that verse? Anybody know it? Okay, great. A lot of you know it. Well, we'll just go over it. You know, don't be embarrassed if you don't know it. It's okay. I'm going to read it for you. 
It's a powerful verse, but it really is the essence of the Christmas story. It says this, for God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and shall not die, but have eternal life, also known as heaven. So God gave his son. So Christmas really, you know, I don't know about you, but I look forward every, every Christmas to opening gifts, to giving gifts and receiving gifts. But wouldn't it be sad for you to come to Christmas Eve services and come have a great time with your family and your friends for Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning, and you receive gifts at Christmas, but you don't receive the gift of Christmas. The gift of Christmas is Jesus himself. And he wants us to taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to know him. Have you tasted to see that the Lord is good? I didn't ask you if your family has. Have you? Do you know Jesus? Oh, well, you know, um, I'm Catholic. I didn't ask you what your family told you you were. Well, you know, we're Jewish. You know, I'm, I've been told by my grandma I'm Mormon. Well, I've been told I'm Methodist. I didn't ask you what stripe you were told you were. Have you personally received Jesus? Because one day when you're face-to-face -face with God, he's not going to ask you what your mama told you you are. He's going to ask you what you've done with Jesus. Have you personally received Jesus? In just a moment, we're going to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer to receive Christ. Before we do that, I just want to tell you guys something about our church, in case you don't know this. We're a candy cane factory around here. We believe in not just making disciples, but making thousands upon thousands upon thousands of disciples. Because we want a bunch of little J's running around here following the big J. You know, the word Christian actually means little Christ. And so this is how it works. You come in, and you first realize, wow, God will forgive me my sins. He'll give me a fresh start. And he wipes me clean, and I become a Christian. Then I learn what's called the disciplines in, of the faith, which, which is those things that God wants me to do. Read my Bible, learn to pray, learn to follow him, become a giver, become someone who sacrifices for the Lord, does great things, forgives people who I don't feel like deserve to be forgiven. But I forgive them because God forgave me. And so I become someone of a sacrifice, like Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. Be a living sacrifice, just like the red that's represented on this candy cane. But ultimately, you go from Jesus being your Savior to being your Lord. And the way you know Jesus is really your Lord is you allow him to reshape you. Let me ask you something. Are you different this year than you were a year ago? Are you more like Christ today than you were 12 months ago? Well, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years. Then why are you still grumpy? <laughs> Shouldn't have you reshaped that in your life already? If you're really walking with the Lord, then your life is going to be different today than it was a year ago. Because God wants to reshape you and me into the character and the essence of Christ, the big J. And so we're the little J's following the big J, and he begins to reshape our lives. Because here's the thing, in today's world, we keep asking God and his word to shape to our preferences, but God says, that's not how it works, I'm God. You reshape to my preferences. So we've got to allow the Lord to let us be, we've got to allow ourselves to be reshaped in the image of Jesus. That's what he wants for you and for me. I have a good friend named Greg Rawlinger. He, he came and preached here a number of years ago, did a phenomenal job. Greg was dying of a disease that was taking over his body, 
And uh, that disease was so powerful, it was, it was causing all his muscles to atrophy. In fact, by the time he came here to preach, we had to bring in a special chair for him and fly him in with a lot of special accommodations. And I told him, I said, Greg, it's worth it. I want you to come share the word. He had such a powerful testimony. In fact, there's a picture of Greg there. You can see he's already hunched over. That's not by design. That's, that was when the disease was starting to take him, and he, he could not straighten up any longer. And so, I don't know if you remember that. How many of you guys remember we're here when he preached? Some of you guys remember when he preached? He did such a phenomenal job. It's just so moving. He talked about sacrifice and about finding joy in the sacrifice. I mean, wow. I mean, just a phenomenal, phenomenal story. Great testimony. Greg struggled and struggled for many, many years until finally this last year, December 6th at 8 p.m., the disease finally got the best of him, and he went to be with our Lord. Greg left behind an amazing wife, four beautiful children. His wife, Lori, they had the funeral just a few days after that. People came in from all across the country to be part of it. And Greg, you know, was, was, was dearly missed by everyone. He'd founded a great church there in Phoenix, Arizona. About a week later, his wife, Lori, had to go through her first wedding anniversary without Greg. Obviously, you can only imagine how painful that must have been. The first when you lose someone is the hardest. Ask anyone who's gone through this. The first anniversary, the first birthday, the first Christmas. So maybe this is a first for you, and I want you to know we're praying for you today if it's the first for you. If you know someone around you, this is a first, or just Christmas is tough because of what they're going through, not having someone, just put your hand on them right now and just let them know you're going to be praying for them. Could you do that real quick? Just go ahead and put your hand and say, I'm just praying for you today. Praise God. It's tough. I know. I know. So Lori was experiencing this first without her husband. About four or five o'clock in the afternoon, there's a knock at the door. She goes to the door, and there's a courier there. She opens up the door, and there's a huge amount of flowers. She's never seen a bouquet this big. It was so big she couldn't carry it. The courier had to bring it into her and set it up. It's this massive thing of flowers. She goes, oh, this is so sweet. She was thinking maybe her church family gave it to her, maybe one of her friends or you know, maybe her parents. She didn't know who it was. She thought, wow, what a gift. This is, this is massive. How much did this cost? The courier hands her a card, so this comes with it, and then leaves. She closes the door. She goes and sits down in front of the flowers and opens up the card. And it was a card from Greg. He had made provisions before he died, knowing he would not be there on their anniversary to make sure his gift still got to her. So his death preceded the gift. That's Christmas. See, we think about the birth for Christmas, and that's true. This is when God sent His Son. But that's just the beginning of the gift because it wasn't until 33 years later that the gift was fulfilled, that Jesus had to die so He could give the gift of a resurrection and the gift of salvation. His death preceded the gift for you and for me. I want us to just take a moment right now across all of our campuses to bow our heads and to pray. I want to encourage you this year to make sure that the very first gift you unwrap is the gift of Christ. The gift of Jesus. Saving you from your sins and from mine. The Bible is very clear. All you have to do is receive Him. Repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In fact, we've included a prayer at the bottom of your outline. If you'd like to peek, you can. But I'm going to read this and pray this with you, and you can just pray this out loud. We're going to pray it out loud together for those who've never prayed this before. 
You can pray and receive Christ right now, right where you are, wherever you're watching. Maybe you're watching another campus. Maybe you're online. We just want to say thank you for being a part of our services. Would you pray this prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now? You can pray this with me now. You can say, Jesus, please come in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins, and I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.